The Cinema Limbo podcast is part of Podnose, the UK's leading independent entertainment podcasting network. once can reveal new stories on a second journey, and an unfinished tale needs to be told, especially when the ending reveals the answer. My name is Jeremy Phillips, writer, critic, and skeleton, and you're listening to Cinema Limbo. The second half of this double bill is the inclusion of toys, and you will join George Grimwood and myself at BFI Southbank. Very odd. No, so where, where, where are these children eating? <laughs> They're eating each other. That's it, why they have to keep shipping in new ones. I thought it might be like the uh, Nickelodeon TV studio on uh, Sunset Boulevard where they've got like a little kind of canteen but outside of the studio. Oh, I see. But, um, of I course, thought... as we all know, listeners, that Nickelodeon uh, studio on Sunset Boulevard has a very dark history relating to the Chevy Chase show back in the early 90s. Uh, when it was known for a small tier- period of time as the Chevy Chase Theatre. And now it's known as the Chevy Chase Memorial Theatre. <laughs> One day it will, it will go back to it, for sure. Um, but yes, it was the Aquarius, then it was the Chevy Chase Theatre for about a couple of months. Five fabulous weeks of the Chevy Chase show. That was the joke in The Simpsons, I remember. If I, all right, here's a promise. If I bring back the talk show talk show, you'll have to help me continue my quest to discuss the Chevy Chase show because I am going to bring it back sooner rather than later, hopefully this year. And it did end on a cliffhanger. Uh, it, <laughs> it ended on uh, the Chevy Chase show part one. Well, I can tell you that uh, Chevy Chase's comeback was uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. The only John Carpenter movie since the 70s not to have his name above the title. We might have to do a crossover. Uh, it's not a very good film. <laughs> we could, what we could do is we could segue. Cinema Limbo meets talk show, talk show crossover about that period of his time of his film career leading towards Chevy Chase Part 2. Yeah. But, I mean, honestly, the Chevy Chase show is one of the most fascinating television series for all the reasons you would not expect. But no one will ever know this. But they will. Anywho. Leslie and Gwen, remember, uh, Robin Wright. Anna. Well, they're having romantic champagne in the big New York model. Yeah. And again, I thought, well... This is where children dance. Why, why is this happening here? No, they're having a nice date there. And I think, that's fine. With a little tiny bottle of champagne. I thought, yeah, okay. And we get the revelation that she was hired by her father just before he died. And that... She was always intended to be matched with him. <laughs> did I miss? I must have missed this. What? I think you did. That she was hired to kind of act as a an impetus for Leslie to mature and grow a bit more of a backbone. When, when does this happen? During the scene in the model of Central Park. Yes, it is an insane thing for a film to do. 
Oh, I, now I was awake during that part, <laughs> and I don't remember that. Oh, your, your eyes were awake, but your brain wasn't. My eyes it hurt was, now. It was. It was it's, it's, it's all the thoughts trying to get out. So what is going on? Re- that that's just creepy. Yes, it is. Yes, it's very weird. And that's, that's and Leslie, Leslie, of course, living in a world of weirdness, doesn't think it's any even remotely strange at all. Judging by his response. Yeah. And, uh, oh my goodness. So he tries to confront the general on what's been going on. Yeah. And he brushes him off, and then they start to organise the break-in. Yeah, because it, yeah, because it, they, the the, uh, the the theater area where the city, uh, the fake city is, uh, sma- is smashed through, and it breaks the, yeah, yeah, and, and they start to steam all of them. So they come up with a cunning plan. They come re- up with the most stupid, convoluted, convoluted, yeah, um, involving Owen Owens. Putting an MTV sticker over a security monitor, and this is where your favourite actor with a broken neck has his time to shine. Yeah, he watched. He's too stupid to realise that security cameras don't do that, and and also noted the fact that it's just suddenly changed. Yes, like, even though that's one of his four monitors, he's got to look at in his area of, of the table with one other person. And um, they write a song oh. with costumes and a big musical number, and again. In in a fantastical context, you can get away with certain things. But so, yeah, sorry. Something I something I thought was great was the fact that uh, if folks aren't aware, when MTV was good, um, it used to uh, have a very standard kind of with a set font and text. Oh yeah, bung it up in the bottom left corner. So the the artist name of the song album and the record company yeah I, think I remember i like the fact that the only real thing on this was geffen um, yeah i believe yeah and 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 he just kicks it up at the beginning of the yeah as if it's been printed on glass to just the right size so Perfect. that it shows up yeah because that was that they, was good they push this whole sort of projection thing out into a corridor push it in place so that it perfectly fills the frame and um it, it may be the best or the only decent part of the film it's it's cleverly designed the whole graphics of the music video everything looks great it's actually a really good song I really like it it's catchy it's very catchy as I say written by Thomas Dolby why do you read yeah memories are things it's a little bit talking heads it's, 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 it's a little bit sort of club sing around it's, it's a little bit talking heads and it's a little bit devo it's, it's sort of somewhere yeah. in between well that's no bad thing no, not at all. Um, no, but uh, maybe, maybe a bit late for late for, for early nineties, perhaps. Yeah, a little bit. It's sort of like this is this is sort of the era that Barry Levinson, Barry Levinson started creating the film in his mind. Oh yeah, well yeah, he was working on the movie in the early eighties, so that is an yeah. indication of how out of date it is. And yet, in some things like MTV coming in, video games, drones. I mean, even then, drones, was, it was a completely cutting-edge idea, even for the early 90s. But it's a movie that would... It, it's like it's the very last gasp of 70s auteurs. Uh, the, yeah. That whole strand died in 1980 when Heaven's Gate came out and bankrupted United Artists. You know, that's a film I haven't seen, and I know it's coming on the big screen at Prince Charles Cinema soon, and... Uh I'd like to see it. I've got the book. One of the first books that was ever brought to me by my father was The Making of Heaven's Gate. I need to read it. Is it anything like toys? 
I don't know. I haven't seen it either. Ooh. But it, Heaven's Gate was you know, a big dream project, and it was massively expensive because the director had a degree of credibility. The studio is willing to bankro- uh, bankroll it as much as he desired. And when the movie came out, it was... Well, the first cut of the movie was famous of Heaven's Gate was five hours long. It was cut down to, I think, a bit, a bit under four hours. No one wants to show it. No one wants to see it. United Artists had to merge with another company to avoid going bankrupt, even though they had the James Bond rights, which should have kept them solvent. And I get the fit Barry Levinson was just coming up through the film business at the time when these auteur-led blockbusters were being made and people were still being written blank checks. So Toys was going to be his... Heaven's Gate. His Heaven's Gate. Wow. Of course, I mean, it was made by Fox and it was... Although although Toys was an expensive movie, it didn't break the bank. So Fox was able to bounce back without any problems. Now, you've just reminded me. I am convinced there's probably a good fair amount of stuff that was filmed, footage that was filmed, but not... but didn't go anywhere. For because, toys? 100%. Because there is a scene uh, earlier on where they do novelty testing. And it's essentially, it's a really odd scene because it's Robin Williams and, um, and, and the other uh, sort of testers, product his, testers. His, his product testers, including Yardley Smith. Yes. And they are watching a video of him in a supermarket um, testing out weird, like... Weird big, no- big ears. Big yeah. novelty ears. And it does make you wonder, with that and with the, uh, with the footage from the, from the trailer, and various just little hints, and the music video, there's all these things within things. There's always videos within videos. And it makes you wonder, how much of this did they film on top of it? Like, this is, if the film was in any way whatsoever a bigger success than it ever wanted to be, would we have seen all these things, you know, as extras, you know, this, this extra? But to be honest, retrospectively, now that Robin Williams has passed, I would actually love to see, you know, loads of improvised video footage that was put, you know, for, the, for these things. Unreleased Robin Williams riffing material in the same way that, you know, it's, it's not going to be long until we're getting unreleased David Bowie music. Absolutely. And we, we actually, I think Tony Visconti, his long-term producer, has said, oh, yeah, there's a whole load of stuff and I'm going to curate releasing it. And prints. And print well, uh, and, and more or less, yeah. more or less, everyone in 2016 who's died, which uh, is a lot of people. In, yeah, including just the other day, Anton Yelchin. Yeah, not an actor who I had any particular fondness for, but for someone who's 27 years old to die in a bizarre, ridiculous car accident is horrible and tragic. The um, design in the music video is obvious, obviously inspired by Henri Matisse. Yes. René Matisse. Yes. Yeah, yes. It's crazy. It's, and it's that's designed that, by Yes. Yeah. And it's, um, it's a running design aesthetic all the way through the movie, it, to the extent that the movie doesn't really have any unifying design aesthetic. Well, you know what? The clothes they wear in that music video, I want those clothes. I, I very happily wear that walking around. I'd be wearing that right now if I could afford it or find it. If you could dress like the Pet Shop Boys. No, like a red, red... A long red overcoat oh, and a red bowler hat. Absolutely. Yeah. You look like a pet shop boy. It does have a little tinge of pet shop boy, doesn't it? It does. Certainly that it's era a, as well. Yeah. And that kind of... The, the way that sort of heads are moving in the backdrop and things like that. It's Yeah, that's very and them. shapes and... Yeah. Like running around inside an eye. Yeah. Yes. Because of, yeah. because of looking, because they're watching it on video. Now... Is there any account? Do we know? Was that song ever released? Actually, because the way they were the way they were promoting this music video within the film, 
the implication was this was going to be something that they would actually release in real life to kind of tie in with the film release. Do we know if they ever did or not? Do we know if it was ever actually played on MTV? The fact that MTV's reference would lead you to believe they have approval. I don't know. I don't recall seeing it being listed as a single release. Because I, as, as I understand it, MTV, uh, in some cases, certainly in its original phase, had usually sometimes would do a behind the scenes or do it if, like a like a film little kind of film special if it were if it had a decent soundtrack or a soundtrack that had a one-off single release that was popular well in this case it's thomas dolby yeah and tori i mean it's not like moonwalker you've got tori amos you've got thomas dolby you've got whoever it is who's singing the christmas song whose name i've forgotten it's you know, not necessarily stuff that the kids of 1992 are going to be interested in. Yeah. Happy workers. And the other odd thing about the music video is, why yes. don't they recognise Leslie and Alsatia? Surely they know what they look like. Why don't they realise, hey, these guys in the music video, they look just like the people who run the company. Yeah, it's like wearing bowler hats doesn't distinguish the fact that you've got a man who looks and sounds and acts like Robin Williams... And, and it's a big close-up of his face. A big close-up of his face. And jo- and Joan Cusack, who is slightly taller and is slightly robotic in her movements. Spoiler alert. We did say earlier that she's a robot. No, spoiler alert for uh, anyone who, who faded out. Anyone who's fell, as- <laughs> fell asleep listening yeah. to this has woken up again and thought... Oh Christ! They still haven't got to the so, end. So, like the experience of the film, really. We're trying to we're yeah. trying to encapsulate the vibe of the film <laughs> in many respects. But uh, the, the whole music video thing is nothing more than an overcomplicated distraction to allow Leslie to get into the restricted area, which is where all the children are playing war-based video games, where they're, and they're actually piloting drones and bombing places. Yeah. Or are they? Is it just a simulation? We don't know. It's not explained properly. Yes, it, it's just it's just enough time uh, before the alarm goes up, before the MTV sticker falls off, as as it was going to. Yes. Uh, after Owen Owens went, oh, where are my glasses? And then slammed it on a thing, and it's like, really, really, all right. Um, and then and then he falls down a well. He falls down a well into a water tank, where there's a monster in there. Ugh. And the monster eats Leslie at the general's command. So the general wants Leslie dead and says so to Leslie. And then Leslie climbs out again because we see that there are wet footprints. Yes. And he goes to Gwen's flat. Now then. This is the part where we get to the thing that's not shouldn't be in the PG rated film. Jamie Foxx's first sex scene in a film he's watching but which in many context in many in the context of many modern day films is participating depends whether or not the hands are inside the trousers <laughs> yes but, but he they, makes a weird noise he goes oh who does Jamie Fox, 100% well he's sighing at the end of a long day he's, he's making an O face <laughs> it's oh, it's, it's, oh no! It's oh dear! I need to fire my agent. <laughs> yes, I need to find an agent. 
I just stumbled into this film unwillingly. But it's 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 not as if it's. I mean, just say it's not an explicit sex scene. It's not as really explicit in any real way. But it's much. There's a lot of owing. It's uh. much more um, explicit. But it goes further than you would reasonably expect to see in any PG-rated film. Yes. Well, there's a, there's a bra. There's a woman's bra. A bra in a PG film. Yeah, which she's removed and uh, uses it to ensnare the little Dick Spanner robot that... I'm so glad you said Dick Spanner, because that's exi- exactly what I was picturing. Yeah, he looks exactly like Dick Spanner. And the, if you, if the, you don't know who Dick Spanner is... The now-forgotten, largely, almost last um, stop-motion animated... No, it's, yeah, it was stop-motion animated. So it was, it was the only yes. one. Jerry yeah. Anderson uh, cartoon for Channel 4. So good. So the following day... Yes. There are a meeting. A meeting is convened, where N- Leslie seems insufficiently concerned that his uncle wants him dead, because they're sitting at a table having a talk about it. Yeah, this for me is the point where any reality, coherence, or logical progression disintegrates and the film becomes a stream of consciousness gibberish which is just as well because it's about this point that I fell asleep <laughs> so it did for you as well but you were actually dreaming yeah so you were having fun thinking about oh I'm I'm, I'm going to run all the way around the Mediterranean well and to- I well I was still watching the bloody film I've had some grim dreams recently and they always end up with someone's throat being cut I don't know what <laughs> I, I'm having some trouble times at the moment oh. and at the next point in the movie he runs over a cutout of his own son yes because why why he why, could, why George he could stop in time there's too many questions he could have stopped in time but he's getting increasingly unhinged yeah. he stabs himself in the chest by accident does he yeah he's holding scissors and he folds his arms and stabs himself in the chest. Or, and that's what I've written, I might have got sidetracked and started thinking about an Inspector Clouseau film, because I know that happens in there as well. Well, the last, the last bit of the film that I remember before I slowly fell in, into unconsciousness was um, the, Washington, the Washington scene where they meet in a field in a, in, a, in a sort of a very covert spy room, and they've got the x-rays going on, and Jamie Foxx returns, and... Uh, and the, there are scissors in it, following a heart surgery or a surgery, chest surgery. There are quite visibly scissors ah, that's in the it. X-ray. That's it. Yeah, that, that's the last I remember of the film. Yes, yeah, someone's uh, from one, a recent viewing. One of the people from the Pentagon has had an operation, and because we're it's all this meeting is so top secret, everyone's in their underpants, and they're all being X-rayed all the time. And one of the generals has. A, force, a pair of forceps or a pair of scissors or something like that still in his chest which this and is horrible really. and there's not that's that's it that's the joke yeah the pentagon isn't very keen on the general's plans his proposals because you know they're short of money it's the after, after the cold war budgets are being cut mm. there's no there's no war anymore for him to uh, for him to fight for him to feed his own addiction and also skeletons skeletons arguing isn't isn't fun for kids it, it, no. It, it's actually quite unsettling and disturbing when they've got Michael Gambon's angry voice. 
I think it's as if they're trying to think of an interesting way to stage the scene where it's people in a white room in their underwear all talking to each other. How can we make this look interesting? Well, let's have the as x-rays and watch their x-rayed skeletons arguing with each other. It's, it's a sort of a, a creative leap that I applaud, just trying to think, what can we do that's fresh? But it just looks weird, and it doesn't work as a coherent whole again. And this is the point where you went off to the land of Nod, yeah. and then I have to watch the rest of the I, no, I should point out for the, for the benefit of the, uh, the listener, if you're still with us, is that... Um, you have seen this movie before. Yes, yes, as a, as a child. And I'll tell you straight up my memories, straight up from the bat, I'll tell you my memories of Act 3. Uh, bang. Uh, trauma. War. Getting upset that loads of toys were being crushed and killed. Um, I don't think this is spoilery because this is literally what I remember. I remember I remember it being played out in the same way that canteen scene was played out, in that it was all kind of slightly slow motion. The music kind of makes you feel very sad for the fact that these these cute little toys are being kind of just crushed and destroyed. It's like the equivalent. It's like the equivalent of um, coming home uh, on a rainy day and, and and just purposefully stepping on on snails. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Yeah, exactly, right? Or, or, or not purposely step... Or, or, or even more to the point, not purposely stepping on snails and then turning around having run through the rain and realising the carnage you've created <laughs> in slow motion. Uh, you know, there's a snail's pop... There's a slug's popped head uh, next to that of, a, next to that of its, its best friend, Mr. Snail, that's slightly crushed at the back. And, and you think, yeah, that, that's, that's, what, that's what Toys Act 3 is like. Well, good night. <laughs> well, the general is um, furious that Washington won't have take his ideas. He gets drunk and gets crazy. It turns out that Debbie, the nurse, is in fact engaged to Patrick, and Patrick realizes that he's that she's been cheating on him. When uh, she also explains that he's responsible for his mother's death because rather than her having died of appendicitis he sent her off on a recon mission behind enemy lines in Vietnam and she was killed okay a couple of things family movie first of all you've got the father and and the son uh, sleeping with the same woman yes standard for a PG film Um, (laughs) you've got you've got a deception of the family where the mother has been sent who, whose wisdom is being dispersed throughout the film in, in occasional globs yeah uh, thrown to the wolves in, 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 in many respects by the father killed on the altar of war yeah so, so if you had any empathy with Michael Gambon at this point uh, you really shouldn't anymore and yet he's still the leading character in the movie he's the leading character in the movie the focus is primarily on him there are more scenes with him than, than Robin Williams I'll put money on that uh, more screen time. Yes, more I screen time. I'll put money on that. Yeah. Yes. I retract my previous offer of money. <laughs> and uh, it's at this point that Patrick decides that this isn't for him and that his dad is crazy and he's not a nice man. I'm going to go to the city and become a rapper. I'm going to go to the city and become a rapper. But before all that, I'm going to throw in my lot with Robin Williams' crazy family and bring down all the, all the stuff. I am your father. So they decide to. Uh, they decide to. Uh, 
uh, take the whole thing. I can't even remember what was going on now. They decide that they have to take the whole thing down and, and uh, start a war of their own against the general. They break into the factory. There's an awful lot of running around. Yeah. Uh, Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Polly Johnson is uh, barking on the soundtrack like Al Pacino. Yeah, writing his, writing his letter to Sue Barry Levinson as and, we speak. And it's edited in such a way as well. There's a lot of uh, there's a frame jumping, which um, I think was better known for being used at the... Uh, near the beginning of Saving Private Ryan and it, it really made me think yes it's turning into a war movie but it doesn't seem to have any kind of ironic distance over the fact that the war is being fought by toys yeah. you can't just deploy it the same way and then when all the little uh, nice toys are fighting against the evil war toys and they're getting shot and blown up and we have screaming on the soundtrack as if yes. they're mortally wounded. Now, the little man versus the big man thing is something that, that is established pretty early on when they're having their scene between Gwen, Anna, or whatever her name is, Robin Wright, with Robin uh, Williams, to the two Robins, in uh, in the uh, having their picnic with the champagne in the city it, landscape, yeah. when he's saying, oh, maybe I should confront him. And it's this whole thing about the, big ma- the little man standing up to the big man. It's David versus Goliath. And this is sort of what the... I got the impression, from memory, uh, that, that the... Uh, that that's that's what it is. It's the little people versus the big people, but the little people pretty much lose. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily that. I think it's they do lose, m- right? Maturing, but well, it, the whole idea I think is that it's supposed to be a distraction so that they can get away and and yeah, um, so let, let's do something else, which makes it worse. That's the weird thing that you know. Um, Leslie gives this whole speech to all the inanimate toys. <laughs> As yeah. a, a, a Mickey take of General Patton. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what's this for? Are the toys sentient? If they're not, and they, I hope they're not, is he just doing this to amuse himself while everyone else is actually doing something worthwhile? Yeah. And lining up all the toys to use as distractions and to uh, mangle the motion sensors of all the nasty war toys. What is the point of this, except to the give, scene or the film? Except to give Robin Williams some Robin Williams stuff to do. Yeah. Do you do you feel that he always had Robin Williams in mind for the role? I can imagine he probably did because I mean, uh, his bec- Robin Williams becoming a major name predates his earliest work on the movie. If that was made now. Or if that was made, maybe even maybe even five, ten years later, ten years later, two thousand two. Let's two thousand two. My money would have been on Jim Carrey playing. Yeah, him. yeah. And it would have been his latest attempt at a crossover dramatic role, directed by McGee. No, hopefully. well, no, it would have been Barry Levinson because it, it was yeah, his dream yeah. project. While all this is going on, Leslie's got into a fight with the general on the on Santa Claus's plane. Yep. In the middle of the um, a New York model bringing it full circle and um the the sea swine breaks in and goes crazy and it attacks the general and then there's some justice and then 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 the film just sort of decides that we that it's had enough um does now am i right in saying that what happens to leland at this point from the weird sea slug creature See swine. See swine. Because question mark. Because the the glimpse of that that we see is see slug. It might from the from the structure of it. 
the glimpse of it physically. It could be literally anything. Yeah. That's a film I need to see again, Explorers. That's what it reminded me of. Oh, oh yeah. that's a good film. But what did it remind you of? It reminded me of the, the way the alien appears a little bit in uh, Explorers. I, think, I thought you were going to say an alien. No, no. Although that could have been more interesting. But the way that we then see Leland after he's been attacked... Yeah. ...reminds me a little bit of how one would view the way that the man is after he has been in a light PG description modestly modestly harangued by the gorilla in trading places that's the reaction that's that's the that's it feels like that he was uh sexually harangued uh I thought that he had brain damage I thought that was what had happened, that he'd been attacked and now he had brain damage. And he's sitting there with the grandfather. And he's sitting in bed with his grandfather and they're saluting a rolling conveyor belt of soldiers because they're both crackers and one of them has brain damage. See, it's odd to me because you can't really figure out what's going on with him because he doesn't speak. You don't see him say anything. Uh, really. No, no. no. Um, so is it that he's just... I always just thought he's just a bit kind of delirious, really. A bit kind of like... He, I, I don't get sort of what sort of happened. Like, like he's in a daze. Yeah. But like, it's but it's a permanent daze, so it's it's vague. It's too vague. What 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 did this monster do to him that made him that? It was very odd. Sucked his brain out. Very bleak. PG movie. Yeah. Can't be that bleak. Good triumphed over evil by bashing evil's brain in until it stopped working. By his own monster. Hoist by his own pet toad. Yes. I borrowed that from Legal Gentleman, sorry. Um, but uh, the, the movie ends, thank Christ, <laughs> with another Christmas pageant. Uh, oh, now, ah, here's a question. Do you reckon it is exactly a year later? Or, no, I think it's a week. Or it's, or it, well, do you reckon it's like, oh, it's Christmas every day here? Do you reckon they have that pageant every bloody night? No, no, no. It, 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 doesn't make, it wouldn't make sense to do that because we know there's, there's been a, a long lapse of time all the way through the movie and it wouldn't make sense to just have random Christmas holidays Christmas pageants like, like, like watching it in March <laughs> it yeah well at least Zevo adheres to reality more than 20th Century Fox did they did of course uh, who was it who released the Oops. vacation movies was that Hang, hang on, you've also just made me... You just, this just raised a big conspiracy point here. How, how is he getting all these kids in? Like, basically, it's like, what, we're just going to get them into a field, into a factory in the middle of nowhere? What, you mean the kids for the... Yeah. No, 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 no. You mean the kids for the, um, the war simulations yeah. or the kids for the pageant? Well, for, well, for the war simulations, because I, I imagine that the kids that are with the pageant are the kids of the... Uh, no, no, I don't know. I think, I think the kids in the pageant are too young. And I could, I can imagine this, that it's just a local school. Local? Oh. It's in the field. Yeah, it could be like this five miles. It could be like five miles away. Well, the thing is, it makes sense to me that the kids that are in the audience of the pageant are the kids of the to- of the toy workers. That makes total sense. to oh, me. Oh yes, yeah. But what doesn't make sense to me is where's where's where? Because obviously he's turning around to everyone saying oh, that it's all classified and restricted. So what? He's just telling the parent. He's just abducted children. I, I I recall that there's some mention of daycare, that it's like a daycare facility, but it's a top secret daycare facility 
which doesn't sound dodgy at all. <laughs> exactly. You don't want to know what we're doing to your children behind this door. Yeah. It's top security. And I need more space. By the, the reason I don't have any trousers on is because of security. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And that was that's a legitimate reason for not wearing any trousers. The reason, the reason why I'm wearing this weirdly spackled camouflage shirt is so that you can't see the blood. <laughs> yeah. So, so I blend in like a vomited Pollock. In the back of it, in the back drawer. I did say Pollock, ladies and gentlemen. And so I blend in against a bizarre clownscape. Yes. And I can sneak up on your child and then treat them with security. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's clearly fine. It's good to know that he later reprised his role as the same character in Fortitude. It's, uh, canon, it's, it's canon to toys. And the Harry Potter movies. Fortitude. But uh, Gwen's now cycling without her stabilisers. Well, at least there's been some progression for that character which, in this film. Which I, it, it implies that she's now not cyc- she's cycling without them after she and Leslie spent the night together. So what you're basically saying here is that the stabilizers are a symbol of her hymen. <laughs> That's literally what you've just said. I would do so with rather more delicacy. The hymen's been broken and it's no longer needed on the bike. This is what we're saying here. PG rating for toys. Well, it's please don't edit this out. By the can, way, you can because this is very this is true. This is symbolic. I'll tell my mother not to listen to this episode. Look, to put it in context, I no no, no, no I understand your point. It's the, dr- it's, the, uh, the dream sequence in Vertigo. I said at, in the middle of a class at uni many many years ago was vaginal. That was the word I used. Yeah, but. Your mum wasn't in the class, was she? No, but there are many other people who just stared at me blankly. Oh, then they're in the wrong bloody class. They are in the wrong bloody class, because it is vaginal. I think maybe because I used vaginal and I was hungover. Vaginal! <laughs> it's yeah, like, it not like rhubarb saying sausages. Oh, or Ken Russell speaking. <laughs> Melting into his <laughs> turtleneck. <laughs> no, that's what Sid James. <laughs> <laughs> Ken Russell Ken- is Sid James in. And, and a weird link... Nicholas Wending Refn directed an episode of Agatha Christie's Marple. He and, did. And he cast Ken Russell as the local vicar. I think he should have cast him as Miss Marple. That would have made... Well, the thing is, it was an episode of the regular series, and yeah. he's admitted, yeah, I did it for the cash. Because it was after he'd gone bankrupt, so he was just taking a load of really weird, nondescript TV gigs. It's, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll bring it in on time, I'll, yeah, I'll follow the rules of how I'm supposed to shoot it, it'll look completely nothing at all. You yeah. would never guess that he directed it. It yeah. just looks like I, an ITV drama. It was when it, it was at the end of that Miss Marple episode where it ended with "I'm giving you a night call to tell you how I feel." Miss Marple gets in her souped-up Ford Mustang and drives very slowly at night through the streets of St Mary Mead. There's something about you, boy. But uh, they they go to the memorial, the memorial for Kenneth in the field. Right, and uh, why is that a year later? What? What? what there's not because, uh, symmetry, <sighs> because why not? Patrick's going back to uh, his unit, wherever that is, right? And uh, he disappears off into the field. I, is, that, is that what happens? I can't remember. Yeah, he's say, "Oh, you know, I've got to, go, I've got to go back to my, go back to the army, got to report. You know, I'll, I'll see you again. I'll see you again soon." No, he won't. And the end. He walks off, and then he just vanishes. And let's see this. Patrick? Yeah? Okay, just checking. Because he's vanished. Yeah. And then there's a freeze frame and then the movie stops. 
That's, oh. a, that's a terrible place to end. It's f- well, the, the, I mean, the story has concluded. What little character progression there has been has been resolved. We've got through a whole battery talking about toys. Four batteries worth this conversation was, I should point out. I've made more notes about this than I expected. There's a lot to talk about in it, but you know what? I'm really... and I, I, I'm, I'm glad that there, there's also room for deviation uh, with this particular film because it does make you think about other things. It makes you try and avoid the subject in hand. Yes. It's like most of the films we've discussed previously, but this time it felt natural. No, no. Don't you dare talk about the Avengers like that. Yes. I will dropkick your head into the river. To be fair, the Avengers... We, I think we stuck to it, pretty much. We did. Um, Not about the new Avengers, though. We said nothing about that, so, you know, shame on us. I mean, the thing with toys is it's trying to make a point. It, is, it's try, it tries to have a central e- ethos or ethic or some message that it's trying to communicate. It's toying with us. I'm just... It's... I don't know whether it's something like, you know, innocence is good and needs to be preserved, but it needs to be mixed with a degree of responsibility and maturity, because that's how a healthy person would think. Well, or if it's something more complicated than that, but, or if it's something even simpler than that, because the film is so weird and unfocused and so full of stuff happening that doesn't actually relate to anything, or... Um, connect the rest of the story or any development. It's just full of ideas and stuff happening and bits of business. It's it's the sign of a film that has been rewritten so much that it's lost the focus of what it's supposed to be about. Here's the thing: I could watch a fantasy film, say like Lord of the Rings. I'm not. I don't want to compare things to like Lord of the Rings because I'm not even that 100 much of a fan of it. But fantasy films. Worlds that are set, specifically Game of Thrones or anything like that, film, a television or film that is set in a world which has its own narrative, its own structure, its own uh, uh, laws, uh, own rules. Yeah. For the most part, you can empathise. You can relate. In some shape or form, you can connect the dots and everything relates in some, in some shape or form. You, you, can, you can connect the dots. With toys... It takes a setting that you can't connect to with characters who are slightly far out of the world for you to, un- to appreciate or understand or relate to and gives you a, it gives you a concept that doesn't have any real bearings in the real world other than it's trying to vaguely make a point about war and peace and, and, and whimsy and nostalgia but at the same time because of everything else built around that message is so sugar-coated with... Uh, chicanery and nonsense it's very hard to as a child and as an adult to respect what it's doing it's it's hot it's I, I see your point that it's too difficult to engage with because you can't draw the line between yourself and your world and the characters in their world you can in game of thrones because even though these characters are in this fantastical environment they're still behaving like recognizable human beings and the yeah. same in lord of the rings but here, everyone is weird. Even the most normal characters are weird. Yeah. And the environment is weird. And there's nothing that you can latch on to. Yeah. So everything seems far away. Even Princess Bride with Robin Wright in, it's a structured narrative. And you've got, and you've got the whole point where it's, 
it's her granddad telling his son, his grandson, the story, which is supposed to be completely normal and real world and grounded. So it's like you're being told the story as well, and you're sitting next to these characters yeah. as they're hearing the story, and that. So that's the connection there. Do you, do you reckon if it was something like Owen Owens telling the story? Even though he's the most normal person in the movie, he's still not normal enough. Owen Owens telling the story to a grown-up uh, Robin Wright. Robin Wright is a, a grown-up. In, in a bed. Uh, it just and t- in the- tucked, into a, uh, tucked into her giant um, swan bed. Oh, yeah, we forgot, we forgot all the other stuff. Yeah, Alsatia sleeps in a giant swan bed and has her head blown off towards the end of the movie, which is why we find out she's a robot. <laughs> yeah, spoilers. <laughs> There's so much we haven't covered. It's the end, the smoking jacket, the deviled eggs. Yeah. All these, oh, I love a deviled All these bits of business that are just window dressing hilarious yeah. novelty stuff that mean nothing and go nowhere. Yeah. Toys, pollocks, more like. Um, I just say, yeah, it's, it's not very good. Well, there's a bit of pollock in there. There's pollock, there's Matisse. It's alluding to all variations. There's a bit of Asia, Escher. Brimful of Escher, Escher. Uh, fo- no, it is Escher. Sorry, it's a brimful of Escher on the forty-five. But it, there's there's uh, there's there's a lot of uh, alluding to various art, uh, artists, illustrators. When I was in New York uh, a short time ago, we went past a thrift store, and in the thrift store, there was an abundance of original, going right back to the mid seventies, original bubblegum card uh, wax sets. You know that you get that preserved. They found a store a warehouse with a ton of these preserved we're talking happy days mash all these collector's cards in their original things with the original bubblegum i have i have not opened them i should point out for the record but they also had films indiana jones and they also had battlestar galactica but here's the thing they also had more Mindy. and i haven't opened it and i'm very tempted to but i don't want to i feel that is a preserved piece of history for me Morka Mindy, The Innocent Times, something I grew up watching on Channel 4, pr- probably the birthplace for me of appreciating Robin Williams as the person that we remember him for. Toys fell into the middle of that, very much so. Before that, for me, there were, there were, there were things I experienced, but there were uh, awakenings as a young boy. There were things after that, Mrs. Doubtfire and darker films, uh, such as... Uh, one hour photo and insomnia but the thing is a film like toys although it isn't one of his most remembered films for me personally it's a film that still is up there with hook in nostalgic terms my memory of robin williams because he glides through toys that's what you've got to remember he's not the main character in toys he's barely in it as much as any of the other characters but he glides through the film and he improvises. He, he doesn't really... He's not really playing a part. He, he's just pure Robin Williams in the film. And for me personally, if, you were, if I'm going to remember Toys, even though I've rewatched it and fell asleep halfway through, or near the end of it, this time round, the one thing that will stand tall with me, like with many Robin, William film, Robin Williams films, is that he was Robin Williams in the film, that he wasn't a character in it, because he was a real-life character. Thanks to George for making time for this recording. Cinema Limbo is now available on iTunes, with almost 20 episodes available, so please subscribe, download and review, at least until bedtime. However, until next time, remember, we must all learn from small misfortunes and count the blessings that are real. Goodbye. Goodbye.
You have been listening to Cinema Limbo, hosted and produced by Jeremy Phillips, edited by Martin Fenton, with music by Philip Alderman. Cinema Limbo is part of the Podnose Podcast Network. Come and visit us at www.podnose.com. Cinema Limbo podcast is part of Podnose, the UK's leading independent entertainment podcasting network. For episode archives of Cinema Limbo and all of the shows on the network, visit us at www.podnose.com. You can also follow us on Twitter via at Podnose or send us an email via admin at podnose.com. I can, I can literally hear him snoring. As a man snoring well, at the next Put it this table. way, if we, if we get approached by security saying, do you have permission? I'll say, does he have permission? You wouldn't uh, get that in a library. No.